Hey, everybody. It is Trags once again. Mike Petralia back with another installment of Red Sox Beat on the CLNS Media Network. It is my sincere pleasure to welcome back the one and only Ian Brown covering the Red Sox for MLB.com. Ian, I'm glad to see your smiling face and that backdrop, whether or not it's real or <laughs> computer generated, I don't care. It's a good sign that you're down in Port Myers. Yeah, I'm not at the ballpark right now, but I have been there. Uh, for the last several days. So that's a big step from where we were uh, last year at this time when, you know, we wondered when, when baseball was going to start. Let's get to the news of the day. And um, unfortunately, Chris Sale was not able to talk to the Red Sox during the lockout, which ended, of course, last Friday. And because of that, he was not able to officially inform him. I found this interesting in your story on MLB.com. Wasn't able to officially inform him, inform the team that he had a stress fracture in his right rib cage until, um, you know, the CBA was ratified and he could officially yeah. talk to the team. And that news, of course, broke on uh, Tuesday when Heim Bloom uh, met with you guys in the media. Yeah, so the lockout ended, uh, it was March 10th. Thursday night, basically 6 p.m., uh, the, the owners uh, ratified the CBA. And then uh, I think it was right around then when teams were told, all right, you can get in touch with all your players. So it was just a free-for-all. And then so Cora and Heim Bloom called uh, Chris Sale, and Chris Sale felt really bad because he's like, you know, I had to tell them about this injury. It's probably the last thing they wanted to hear. Right. Um, but uh, so, yeah, it's, it's not a good thing. You know, the, I don't tracks. I don't see him pitching for the Red Sox before May first. I think May is the best well possible scenario. This happened uh, about a month ago. Four, it'll be four weeks on uh, on Thursday, and you know, Chris Sale said himself, like broken bones take six to eight weeks to heal. That's a universal thing, and we all know that you know rib injuries can be tricky. So you figure best case scenario is that uh, Sale starts throwing. Um, you know, in two to three weeks, maybe uh, opening day or a little before, and then he gets back at some point in May. But uh, yeah, uh, not not a good way for the season to start for the Sox. Heim Bloom said on uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, forgot what day it is. That's what March yeah, Madness will do to you, by the way. Um, yeah. He said on on uh, said this week that um, we're talking weeks, not days, before Sale even gets a ball in his hand. Right? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's going to be. Uh, a minimum of two weeks before that bone is, is all the way healed. So I'm sure what, what's going to happen, Trey, is in two weeks they're going to do another MRI, mm -hmm. their CT scan, x-rays, whatever, to see, you know, how the image looks now compared to when it first happened. So uh, that'll be the first step for the bone not to be broken anymore, and then he can start uh, playing catch, and you know the buildup from there. Uh, he can start playing catch with there, but it's going to take a while to build back up because, you know, the old saying, um, as long as you're down, it takes that many days to uh, to build back up. So uh, it's going to be a while. This isn't going to be like a, he's going to miss one start thing. Wow. Well, so and the tough. other thing, not to interrupt you, Ian, but that's my prerogative. It's my podcast. <laughs> so, uh, But uh, the issue uh, with Chris Sale is he's not drop and drive. As Heim Bloom also pointed out, he is a rotational picture. And what that means is he slings the ball. You know, he's got a very, uh, everybody knows he's got a very thin frame, but he generates an incredible amount of torque by uh, rotating his upper torso. And that is going to put even that much more strain um, on his rib cage. And it has to, another reason why it has to be full strength when he comes back. 
Do you or does anybody in the organization, you think, have an issue with him throwing live BP at uh, Florida Gulf Coast University? No, I mean, they can't because, look, um, you know, these guys weren't uh, weren't allowed to be in contact with anyone. So, you know, a lot of pitchers all around baseball were throwing uh, live BP, trying to, you know, if anything, uh, they would probably be happy that he was trying to do everything he could be and not just sitting around during the, the lockout. Running. Oh, there's a right. lockout. We don't know when it's going to start. Uh, the Red Sox guys, he, it was a whole camp of guys. It was Sale. It was Pavetta. It was Matt Barnes. Uh, some, excuse me, some of the some of the minor league guys. So they had a, a, a raft of guys over there. And Chris Sale called this just a freak injury. So um, the shape of it for him was that he said he spent his whole winter and spring rebuilding arm strength because that was something he lost in the time he missed due to the Tommy John surgery. So uh, he was really excited the, about the way he felt this spring and the way the ball was popping. And, uh, you know, I, I think he's still going to have a good year. It's just not going to be a full year. Uh, but yeah, he was, uh, that, that was what he was pretty bummed, bummed about just after the foundation that he's built uh, for the season. Well, once again, we have the one and only Nate Evaldi thrown into the um, spotlight of the Red Sox, if you will, of their rotation. He has always responded. He's been one of the more unheralded stars of the Red Sox in the last 20 years that I can, I can remember. I, unheralded because when you think of guys that can become dominant uh, or become key figures in the, in the rotation, uh, you, you don't always think Nathan Evaldi. And, you know, this is just another example. He's, he was tabbed the uh, opening day starter by Alex Cora on Wednesday. So talk a little bit, uh, Ian, if you would, about uh, Nate Evaldi getting the, the, getting the uh, you know, the call to be the opening day starter. Yeah, just first of all, I really think that Nathan Evaldi was going to start opening day, even if Sale was healthy, because I think this was going to be um, a reward that Evaldi anchored the staff last year. He didn't miss a he start. Did. He was their best guy in the playoffs again, second playoff run in a row that he was their best guy. So I, I do believe that he was, he was um, pitching opening day, no matter what, but he really has been a steady horse for them. And this guy is just a, you know, a workout maniac. I mean, nobody works harder in the weight room. They're on his craft. He just goes about it very quiet. He doesn't seek attention. And uh, you know, he just, he, I think Dave Dombrowski took some heat for that contract. Uh, the first year when Evaldi uh, had an injury early and then they moved into the bullpen and back to the rotation, he really had a tough year, but that was really the price they paid for how they pushed him in 2018. And nobody wants yes. to win that world series ring that they wouldn't have won uh, without him. But yeah, the COVID year, he was very good. Um, last year he was even better. And now they, they think there's no reason to think that this year if he stays healthy again, you know, he won't uh, again be, kind of the anchor to this to the starting rotation probably lead them uh, in innings this year that's where i think it hurts uh sales injury really hurts because if you put sale and avaldi at the top of the rotation that one two dynamic is much different than having nathan avaldi and you know i'll do respect to nick pavetta and maybe nick pavetta takes a right. big big step up this year what about nick pavetta yeah, no, I really I have a good feeling about Nick Pavetta. This guy, uh, this this guy's a bulldog, man. I think he showed uh, the world get to see a little bit of him in, of him in the playoffs last year. We, we remember that that thirteen inning game against the Rays where he came out of the bullpen and threw four just uh, shutdown innings and was just uh, all fired up. He's an emotional guy. And game four of the ALCS, he shut the Astros down, Mike. I mean, it was I think it was two to one when he left the game after six innings and. 
some ridiculously low amount of pitches that I love Alex Cora's that. But to this day, I think he should have let him ride because uh, that was the day that Garrett Whitlock gave up a, the game-tying homer to Jose Altuve that changed that entire series. The Red Sox never recovered from that. Um, so, but Pavetta really, he, he, I think he gained something from what he did in the playoffs last year. I think he's going to take another step forward this year, but um, not a lot of people talk about how much they're going to miss Eduardo Rodriguez. I think that's a sizable uh, loss for this team, especially now I was saying, I know Erod could drive you crazy with his uh, inconsistency at times, but this, this guy did a lot for this team. He gave you innings. They, they are going to miss him. So now tracks you're counting on um, Michael Waka. You're counting on Rich Hill. Who we're all familiar with, but you know, he's uh, you know, it's 41, he's 41, 42, right? Yeah, 41, 42, you know, somewhere, somewhere around there. And uh, you know, that you're gonna count more on these young guys. Uh, Tanner Hauk, I think, is gonna be in the rotation to start the season now. I think he will be the fifth guy now with Sale out. And Garrett Whitlock, who was such a huge part uh, in the bullpen last year. Garrett is going to be, um, you know, you don't know what role is he going to be close or is he going to, he's going to be stretched out this spring. So maybe he starts also if, uh, you know, if Hill or somebody like that has to start. Could slow. he be an opener? He could be an opener. Yeah. Or more like the bulk getting guy in the middle of the game because the opener usually only goes one or two innings, but uh, yeah, I mean, Whitlock and Hauk are again going to be huge parts of this pitching staff and the Red Sox do feel uh, better about their overall depth of their pitching right now than they did last year. And that's why they went out and got Walker and they got uh, Hill and they expect that both Whitlock and uh, Howick will take another step forward as young guys who were really thrown into the fire last year. So, you know, they, they think that uh, maybe they can withstand the loss of Chris Hill uh, for a month. And, uh, you know, I know the starting pitching market is kind of dried up right now, right. but maybe Bloom finds somebody on the trade market or you find somebody he can sign that can be like a little bit of a placeholder also. All right, uh, let's talk about Jake Diekman and Matt Strom. Um, they added a couple of relievers um, this week, and um, obviously that bolsters a lefty-heavy uh, bullpen. What do you? What can you tell us about those two guys? Yeah, what the Red Sox really, you know, the, this with this three batter minimum thing, Trag, the uh, the loogie as they call them. Yes, <laughs> they they've really become outdated. I mean, you're not going to see Tony Fossis anymore uh, in more current times from our day. Uh, covering the Sox, Mike Myers. You're not going to see guys like those guys like that just aren't useful anymore. Um, as long as the team has pinch hitters that they can hit those lefties on the bench, those guys are going to be useless. So what the Red Sox tried to do was go out and get lefties who have pretty identical splits against lefties and righties in their career. So they think that um, Deakman and um, the other guy, Strom, who's lesser known, uh, mainly because he's had a knee injury that's really kept him from doing anything much the last two years, but they really like him. Uh, Strom's more of a, a middle guy, like a swingman type of guy who can, like you said, maybe an opener, a guy who can give you two or three innings, where Deakman's a traditional uh, kind of one-inning guy, even got a little taste of closing last year. So, um, you know, they, they think those those two signings give them a little depth. It does seem like the balance of the bullpen is a little off-kilter right now because you have Deakman, you have Strom, you have uh, Josh Taylor, who was excellent, one of the best left-on-left guys yes. in the league last year. And you still have uh, Austin Davis and you still have Darwinson Hernandez. So you got to think they're going to trade, uh, you know, one or two of those guys. They're not going to carry five lefties in their bullpen. No. I mean, you know, start the season. I mean, they obviously like th these guys. So I think maybe, uh, uh, I think Darwinson Hernandez is a guy who was a big name when he first came up, but just has never lived up to it. So I think that's a guy you could see 
you could see him moved uh, before the season starts. Speaking with Ian Brown of MLB.com, doing a wonderful job of uh, covering your hometown Red Sox for MLB and RedSox.com. You can follow him on Twitter, Ian M. Brown, with the E at the end, all one word. I get it right. I did, right? <laughs> you did. Always try. Good. Um, okay. Maybe the Red Sox are catching a little heat, Ian, uh, for the fact that they seem to be a little bit slow on the uptake post uh, reactivation after the lockout, whereas you see teams like um, obviously the Blue Jays acquiring a role as Chapman. You see uh, Chris Bryant going to the Colorado Rockies. You see Kyle Schwarber, a big piece, obviously coming down the stretch and in the playoffs postseason last year for the Red Sox. Schwarber signs a multi-year deal with the Phillies. What gives and when can the Red Sox engine, when do you expect that Red Sox uh, transactional engine to get started up? Yeah, both Alex Gore and uh, Heim Bloom hinted uh, patience with this. So I get the sense they're up to something, but they're just playing the waiting game. Um, they will have somebody, they will have a bat by opening day, a right-handed bat, I imagine. You know who's another name that you should keep an eye on? Is Ooh. Jose Ramirez, because the Indians, as you know, they're yeah. they're situation where they're uh, they're offloading guys they're trading guys totally. so the red sox do have a deeper farm system now where they could maybe uh, package some people that would make him attractive but that i know that's a bat that they would like uh a lot so they'll get they will get somebody but i know it's hard for fans to watch you know the, the rapid fire action going around a lot you know across the game right now and not seeing their team uh, you know do much of anything but high bloom is going to stay true to his principles He's not going to overpay tracks. He could have brought Kyle Schwarber back, but he didn't think that he's a player who is worth four years and $80 million because you have to remember too, you know, maybe the, the, the prospect in their farm system, who's the closest to the major leagues is, you know, a first baseman in Tristan Cassis. And you should see this guy, man. He's just 250 pounds. He's just huge. He's built like a tank, you know, one of the first, tweets i saw of yours ian not to cut you off again yeah. but it was of tristan cassis at uh minor league camp when you yeah, were down there yeah. covering minor league camp yeah. uh, while the lockout was still going on and you were just raving about cassis yeah he's he's huge and he's got he's got like a jd martinez type of work ethic he's just like very obsessive about hitting and very obsessive about um, his workout routine and he's just one of those guys he carries himself not like a scared kid but just somebody who like knows that he belongs. So I just think that he's going to tear Fenway Park up when, when you get the chance. So with that in mind, it just didn't make sense for them to bring um, Schwarber back at that kind of money. Um, you know, there's another Ohio team that's been offloading quite a bit of talent and uh, their first baseman uh, is in the last two years of a 20, uh, $25 million a year uh, deal. You think the Red Sox would be at all interested in Joey Votto? Well, you know who would be the most exciting person, excited person if they did that besides you? Uh, would be would be Tristan Cassis, who has modeled his entire hitting approach there around you Joey go. Votto. Um, yeah, I mean, he loves Joey Votto. So for him to be able to be around him, I mean, I don't really see it now because uh, it would, they trade J.D. Martinez because right now they have a little bit of a logjam. They have, you know, J.D. back as the D.H. for one more year. Um, they do have, uh, you know, they have Dahlbeck at first base, but yeah, I mean, you could maybe, you could slot, uh, Votto in for a year or two. Sure. So, you know, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't rule it out entirely. It's just a matter what the, uh, you know, what it would make sense. I mean, it's another, the, yeah. the problem is it's another left-handed bat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they want, they want a right-handed bat for sure. 
but you know they did lose Schwarber's left-handed bat. They keep saying they need a right-handed bat because they traded uh, Hunter Renfro, who did an excellent job for them last year, and they got ja- they got Jackie in return. But yeah, I mean, if, if if you're a great hitter, who cares if you're a righty or lefty? I mean, a, a great hitter is a great hitter, and Votto had a pretty good year last year. He right? did very good bounce back year. Yeah, so you know that's a, and I think he has the kind of stroke that would play in Fenway too. He can go uh, opposite field, so. You know, that, that's, that's something that is a, a good name, and that is something to keep an eye on. Speaking with Ian Brown, covering the Red Sox for MLB.com. Basketball, as we all know, is in full steam for both pro and college hoops with the big tournament getting underway this week. And MLB, as you've been uh, listening here on the Red Sox Beat podcast, will soon be back in business with spring training getting underway later this week and opening day coming up April 7th from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land bet online is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. Head on over to the website or use mobile devices, your mobile device vice to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, to get started. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet Online where the game starts back with Ian Brown of RedSox.com. Ian Xander Bogarts made it very clear on Tuesday, speaking in the clubhouse and yes, clubhouses are back open to the yes. media. Woohoo! Um, he made it very clear speaking to uh, Red Sox media that he really doesn't want any part of playing second base or third base it, for that matter. I mean, tracks, just look at what number does Xander Bogarts wear? Yeah. He's number two. There's a reason for that. It's Derek Jeter. I mean, obviously this guy, uh, patents himself as a shortstop. He's always thought himself as a shortstop. In 2014, um, when the Red Sox went out and got Stephen Drew back, if you remember, he, he helped them win the World Series in third. And then I think it was May or June of that season, Drew was still a free agent, and uh, Ben Sherrington at the time brought him back. And then they moved Xander from short to third, and it tracks. He was in a funk. Yes, I do remember that. He dropped 20 or 30 points when he got moved off shortstop. Uh, they traded Stephen Drew at the July 31st deadline that year. Xander Bogus went back to shortstop, and by gosh, he started hitting again. I mean, this guy loves to play shortstop. This guy, I know he doesn't have great range, but he, as Alex Cora pointed out yesterday, the one thing you know with him, if the ball gets hit to him, he's gonna he's gonna make the play. And he does like what's underrated most about Xander Bogart is this guy's work ethic. I mean, he's 29 years old. Um, I've never seen him come into camp in better shape than he did uh, yesterday. I mean, his, his biceps are just bulging. I mean, this guy is a workout fiend, and he was working on his agility this, this offseason also. So uh, one of the underrated, because he's such a laid-back, you know, Mr. You know, I, I grew up on the beaches of Aruba, just has that <laughs> persona. You know, you know the guy. Uh, he is an intense worker. Um, so he's going to do everything he can to keep that shortstop position. But it's really interesting because – he has an opt-out this, this uh, offseason. When he signed that six-year contract three years ago, you know, it seemed like he was going to be one of those lifetime Red Sox guys. I mean, he took a discount deal to stay in Boston. But things have changed, Trags. One thing that's changed is the market for shortstops. You look at what Corey Seager signed for. You look at what Francisco Lindor signed for. 
And you look at what Xander Bogarts has become since he signed that deal. He's become a much better hitter than he was before he signed the contract. Right. So he seems to get better every year. He's a team leader. He speaks like six, seven different languages. He's a, a clubhouse uniter. So, uh, you know, he's, he has every right to kind of test his services when he becomes a freedom. It's just going to be real interesting to see, you know, how last time he, he basically stayed with the Red Sox at all costs. Uh, what what is he going to do this time? Is he just going to uh, Scott Boris going to better be able to guide him to do what Scott wants, which is going to be to kind of get a huge offer that's going to reset the market or uh, stay in line with the market at least, or is he going to take another hometown discount? So I'm really um, dying to see what happens to Xander Bogert. Uh, I love covering the guy. Um, he's a tremendous person. He's a tremendous player. Uh, I'd love to see him in the Red Sox uniform for a long time. But business of baseball is going to come in. This winter, Heimblum is not a guy who runs his front office with emotion, very no. much like in that regard, and that he is all business, what's best for the team, not what's going to tug on your heartstrings or anything. Um, so, you know, I'm just real curious to see how this plays out. And, oh, by the way, this kid, uh, number four pick in the draft last year, Marcella Mayer, is a shortstop, and he looks the part. He's probably three, three years away still, but uh, just another thing to think about when you think about yeah, what kind of contract they're going to sign, uh, if they're going to re-sign Xander Bogarts this winter. Didn't Xander Bogarts earlier in the offseason, like right after the playoffs ended, didn't he indicate something along the lines that he may be willing to move off the shortstop position if they were able to acquire a guy like Carlos Correa? Didn't I, or am I misremembering that? Somebody wrote something, and I don't think he was quoted directly. It was kind of like one of those... Uh, people close to Bogarts think that he would, you know, yada, yada, but uh, he wasn't striking that tune at all. Without, no, <laughs> uh, he, uh, you know, good for him. He's like, I think he takes a lot of pride in what he's done. And he's like, he was kind of like, I felt like I didn't exist when some of the stuff I was reading this winter. And because uh, like I said, this guy's worked so hard to be who he is, not just as a player, but as a citizen uh, in the Boston community. And he just loves uh, playing for the Red Sox and, like I said, showed a lot of loyalty at that last contract. So I don't blame him for being a little uh, ticked off. And hey, you remember when the Yankees got um, Alex Rodriguez? Clearly, he was a better shortstop at the time than Derek Jeter. But the Yankees kept Derek Jeter at shortstop. So you know, who, who knows what's going to happen with Xander? But I do think he is one of those guys. He wants to play shortstop. It is hugely important to him. And I'll be surprised if um, you know if he gives that up anytime. You know, 29, 30 years old to him, that's way too early. Does uh, 35, 36 years old. I mean, uh, I can't remember how old Cal Ripken was when he finally switched um, back to third in his career, but maybe somewhere around then. But, you know, right now, these are prime years for Xander Bogarts. He's, he's not looking to, uh, to switch positions anytime soon. Uh, J.D. Martinez, what's the deal? Uh, any update on the rumor mill and, and if he's going to make it to the regular season with the Red Sox? Yeah, I get that sense he is. I mean, he's a crucial part of what they do right now. And he's got um, he's got a year left on his contract. He could have opted out for a third year in a row, and he ended up staying. But this guy, man, he's, he's a pro. Um, you saw him struggle a little bit, Trags, last year, um, late in the year. But then the playoffs started, and he was Mr. Clean, man. This guy um, comes through in big situations. He's a big game player. Look at his playoff numbers in his career. He's a big game player. He likes the market of Boston. He likes – the pressure that comes with staying playing here. I mean, he indicated he'd love to stay in Boston for years to come, whether that's going to happen. I don't know. 
but uh, no, I think they're going to ride with the, they're going to ride with JD this year. All right. We got to get to the most serious question. How much did it hurt to give your wife, Amy, the beautiful Amy Brown tickets to Kevin Garnett day on Sunday at TD bank garden, uh, instead of you sitting in those prime luxury seats, watching number five, go to the rafters. That hurt a lot track, not giving it to Amy, but just the fact that, um, I had to miss that game because I got my tickets for that game months ago. As soon as they announced that, um, KG's number was going up there. I mean, I'm, as you know, I'm a big Celtics guy and KG is probably in my top five favorite Celtics of all time. I mean, this guy, he might've even raised a stature after that, after that we put on the other day with that retirement speech and all that. This guy is just, uh, you were around him more than I was, Trags. I mean, he's just, he's at a different level personality wise, intensity wise, leadership wise. So it, it was hard. Um, but it was just the timing, man. The lockout ended. Um, you know, it's just like I was already down in Florida, and I was like, was I going to fly back up north right when everyone else was flying south? It was just a weird feeling. So uh, I missed the game, but I did enjoy uh, watching it. It was streamed on the wonderful uh, NBC Sports Boston. They streamed the whole ceremony live. So I had a blast watching that. But, yeah, I was bummed out because I'm lucky enough, Trags, I was at the retirement ceremony for a DJ, the late great Dennis Johnson. Yes. And his- up there um for my all-time favorite player mr larry joe burke there for his retirement ceremony when his number went up kevin McHale, another one of my favorites robert parish so i was there for all four of those and i was just like man this is going to be great kg's going to be the fifth celtic i've seen his number retired and uh yeah so for me the timing wasn't great but big picture was great the baseball was back it was just i wish maybe uh it'd come back one day later or so so i could have gone to that game yeah, that's too bad. But um, as uh, I know very well, you are one of the biggest Celtics fans on planet Earth. And uh, I, at least you got to see him play and you got to see the other four numbers go up uh, to the rafters. But Kevin Garnett is unlike any athlete I've ever covered. I will say that his yeah, intensity yeah. level is at another is out of the stratosphere. Yeah, I mean, there's just guys that there's never going to be anyone like him. And, uh, you know, like you see, like Jordan. And to a degree, Kobe and LeBron are a little bit like him and, and the star power, but there's certain guys and KG's one of them. You're never going to see another player like that. You're never going to see another bird either. Just the style. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying there's nobody, not going to be anybody better, but just the style of play, the personality, the no nonsense personality, KG man, uh, just the intensity there. I've, I've never seen it. The intensity is what makes him one of the 10 greatest defensive players in his prime of all time. Yeah. You agree with that? We all knew. We all, yeah. We all knew how great a player he was when the Celtics got him, but I don't think not watching him play every game, you don't know about a guy's uh, level of intensity and Mike Gorm, and Mike Gorman's speech the other day for the number retirement. He said that he saw this in the first exhibition game that KG played the Celtics were in Rome. And he said that he was playing this like it was game seven of the NBA finals. And he was yelling at teammates to go here, to go there. And uh, that was, you know, that, that, that said something to me uh, about who this guy was. He just never took a practice off, never took a game off and just uh, can't say enough good things about uh, KG and what, what, what he brought to the Celtics. Well, it's been fun catching up again, Ian. I want you to get, uh, well, make sure you put uh, sunscreen on for God's sake. Yeah. We need, we need <laughs> to protect that um that uh skin of yours so it doesn't get yeah. too burned i've been putting on the 30 every day i'm good 
That's good. Uh, you know, how I, I sometimes uh, did not put sunscreen on and Theo Epstein. Yes, had. I remember one time in particular. Yeah. Yes. Out on where the banks used to be. It's been moved since in yeah. front of the clubhouse. But uh, Theo Epstein said, and I'll clean it up. Um, what the hell, Mike? What the <laughs> hell happened to you? And my legs literally were lobster red because uh-huh. from the day before I did not put the sunscreen on when I was down there, you know, going around to the different fields as yeah. uh, you know, outside jet blue. And it was a mistake I'll never make again. I'll, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, I will keep the sunscreen going though. I promise. That's good. Well, he is Ian Brown. You can follow him on Twitter at Ian M Brown, all one word and E at the end of Brown. Uh, so uh, make sure you do that and make sure to follow his tremendous coverage as always on MLB.com and RedSox.com. want to thank everybody for downloading today's podcast. Thank our great guest, Ian Brown from RedSox.com. Also want to thank our great sponsor, BetOnline.ag. For Ian Brown, I'm Mike Petralia, and this has been the Red Sox Beat Podcast powered by CLNS Media.